Timothy Hillier was only seven years old when he began to obsess about his pillow and its position on his bed. Was it lying in the exact middle from the edges of the mattress? Were its corners aligned at a perfect 90 degrees? Were there creases in the pillowcase or was it totally flat? Minor matters, perhaps, that most of us wouldn't even give a thought to, but for poor young Timothy, it became all-encompassing. We're going to chat today with Gold Coast journalist Suvi Mahonen about a mental health issue that affects half a million Australians today, obsessive-compulsive disorder. This is Signs of the Times Radio with Kent Kingston. Basically, experts call this the silent disease. And um, I know that in the article it says, say in Australia, estimates about 2% of people suffer from it. Mm. But um, everyone I spoke to about it said there's so many silent sufferers with this that, that, you know, it's the sort of thing people don't speak up about. A lot of people are really struggling with it. So I, I found it quite a responsibility and then, you know, to sort of work on a story like this to try and raise awareness for something that's, that's a real problem for so many people. So mm. um, I find it a privilege to, to work on stories like this with people that are really struggling, you know, yeah. to try and, try and raise awareness for something like this. Okay, yeah, so you've been writing a, a series of articles in, in The Australian and, and elsewhere, and you do seem to be quite focused yep. on, on health issues. Like, why, why health journalism? What, what is it about that area that interests you that sort of keeps you coming back? Well, I think I'm passionate about health because it's, they're the sort of stories that can hopefully genuinely make a difference in people's lives and, and help people live their lives um, better, you know, or, or just inform people about things. So, like, it's, yeah, it has become a passion of mine. I, I think writing stories about things that people don't know about, especially, too, like, you know, with the red light therapy for Parkinson's, that was, it was so, so heartwarming then to get that feedback back from people to sort of say, oh, look, you know, um, red light therapy is helping me. It's, 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 it's doing good. And I think that's what keeps me coming back, really, just the feedback you get when, when you do stories about issues that people are, are genuinely struggling with. Um, yeah, we've, we, yeah, we've actually got a bit of feedback from, from that one too, because that was actually our very first um, Signs of the Times radio episode. Um, and, it, and it's, yeah. right, it's right there. Yeah, yeah. yeah you, you can check it out on our website, you know, signsofthetimes.org.au. Have a look at the podcast, scroll right to the end, and it's, yeah, there it is. You know, why does this man have a bucket on his head? There, there it is. <laughs> <laughs> so it, it, it is fascinating stuff. And and I guess what I find interesting, you know, when I see you writing about things like, you know, prostate cancer and, um, you know, men's sheds, you know, is, which is one that will be coming up in, in a little while, that you sort of go into areas where perhaps um, you, you wouldn't normally be exposed to, you know, you, you sort of go into to men's zones and, and things like that and find out it's, I mean, you must, you must be curious. Curious is probably not quite the right word. It's more a passion for, I think what's going on in society, you know, like, like you, that's interesting that you brought up the, the, the men factor of it. Mm. I think in society at the moment, there's a lot of men that are feeling a little bit like maybe they're um, being a bit sort of pushed to the side um, a little bit in terms of their health, uh, mental health, physical health. All, all of that sort of thing. I think um, the, the extreme feminist movement may have actually 
gone a little bit too far in one sense that I think maybe we've pushed men to the side a little bit now. And and um, I hear a lot of men sort of saying this, that, that you know, well, um, we're not really being heard. Um, our issues aren't really being discussed. You know, we're sort of struggling too. <laughs> yeah, so yeah. I think that that's kind of, you know, I've sort of heard, heard what men are saying too um, about, about what's going on for them as well. So it's been really interesting to, to listen to their side of things. So, mm. yeah, I'm, I'm really happy to. And it's interesting with OCD too that boys are affected by this a little bit more too than, than girls. So even this seems to affect quite a lot of guys. Well, that's um, right. I mean, and, and there are a few things like that. I mean, autism, for example, you know, tends to affect boys more than girls. I mean, look, I... I oh, I, that's interesting. Yeah. I didn't know that, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if, if I... I mean, I, I hear what you're saying, that, you know, men are saying, hey, listen, you know, there are issues that we need to be heard on too. But I guess while men are still pretty much in charge of the planet, I'm I'm a little bit reluctant to sort of buy the the forgotten victims sort of narrative that some sort of extremes of, of the men's movement, I mean, you know, you mentioned, mentioned extreme feminists, there are definitely extremes on, yeah. the other, on, on, on the other side too. <laughs> and it's all very one-eyed and, you know, we, we're always the victims, we're always the ones left out. And it just seems to miss the, you know, something that should be as obvious as, as the nose on our face. And that's that, well, as a whole, men are actually getting a, a pretty good deal, I, I would have thought. Yeah, yeah. Look, look. That look. They are, and and the reality is that that all of us really in a country where we generally most of us have enough to eat, most of us get a good education, all of that sort of thing. I I would say most of us really living in a country like Australia are quite privileged as well. So so everything's in in context, isn't it? You know, yep. we're not walking miles just to get a bucket of clean water and and that sort of stuff. So um, yeah, it is good to step away from the victim mentality for a minute and. And recognize what we do have and and yes we do have a lot so, yeah, so yeah. i do agree with you there that's true yeah <laughs> uh, look uh, obviously we could get totally um distracted by the by that particular Side topic of, of of gender relations but but the article that you've written for us in in signs of the times is about obsessive compulsive disorder or ocd so what what was it about this topic that sort of drew your attention what what grabbed you about it in in the first place to to explore that well, a story came to me actually, like um, Timothy Hillier's story r- really struck me as as being something that needed to sort of, um, like just as an example of people who are really struggling with it. And in fact, it was a it was a man in my building, a, a doctor actually, um, was asking me about my, you know, just the articles that I've been doing for the Australian, and I was saying, yeah, look, I'm always really interested in um, health topics, and and he said, well, I've been having a lot of people come to my surgery struggling with with mental health problems especially obsessive compulsive disorder and um, he sort of started to talk about how he sort of you know treats them and 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 just the fact that you know a lot of general practitioners on the ground don't really have the time to spend with these patients who come in it's very difficult for them because they've only got a few minutes to to sort of consult and often these people take quite a long long time so when he he just raised the topic with me and I, I sort of started to think oh you know, maybe that's something that we need to raise awareness for. And, and then I started to think about OCD and then I started to think about my own foibles and I thought, <laughs> mm. <laughs> you know, where, where, where do we draw the line? What exactly is obsessive compulsive 
disorder? Mm. Um, how do we determine whether it's a disease and whether it's just a personality trait? So I think all these questions just started to run through my mind and I thought, well, if I've got questions about it, I, I'm sure there's probably other people with questions about it too or who are struggling with this. And, and then I started to research it. And yeah, the more I researched about it, the more it sort of came to my attention that it was something that needed to be um, discussed a bit more in mainstream media. Mm, sure. So you, you just mentioned that, you know, one of the basic questions is, you know, what is OCD? So that, you know, so now that you've done the research, now that you've talked to the experts, can you give us a, um, a, a sort of a clear summary of, of what OCD is and perhaps, you know, what, well, no, we'll, we'll talk later about what it isn't, but let's talk about what it is first. Well, one psychiatrist was actually um, interestingly saying that it's actually a set of symptoms. So I can quote from the Diagnostic and Statistical Manual of Mental Disorders. Mm. It's basically defined as a disease, as the presence of obsessions, which are recurrent and persistent thoughts, uh, urges or images that are un unwanted and cause anxiety. And these, these can just keep coming into your head over and over and over again. Um, and or the presence of compulsions. And they're actually the behaviours. So there's two components to obsessive compulsive disorder. Um, there's obviously the presence of obsessions and and or the presence of compulsions and the repetitive behaviours of things like okay. the hand washing, um, yeah, that, those sorts of things, okay. checking things. All right. So so the obsessions are the thoughts that are going round and round in your head, repeating, repeating, and the compulsions yep. are the 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 actions that perhaps happen because of, or or maybe the actions you have to do to stop the thoughts from repeating or. I mean, are they related? Well, they are. They can be very related in a lot of people. But uh, but herein lies the difficulty. <laughs> Obsessive compulsive disorder is very complex. So the more I researched it, the more it came to be obvious that it is really complex. And and it's a massive spectrum. You know, like there there can be some people that that suffer from it only a little bit. Hmm. Um, some people have it really severe, obviously. And so to answer your question, they, they can be related. So you could have obviously obsessive thoughts about germs, for instance, and hmm. to relieve those obsessive thoughts, obviously the action of hand washing, you think that, well, I'm getting rid of the germs. So, so you do the act to relieve the thought. So yes, they can absolutely be like um, sort of aligned, hmm. but they hmm. don't always have to be. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So sometimes you can have, you can have an action without it without a thought but there's just a general underlying massive anxiety going on in you not necessarily an obsessive thought but because of the the massive generalized anxiety that you that you're dealing with you then do things like act like for instance one act that people can do is brushing their teeth in a particular order mm -hmm. so if they do you know if they start with the back and they 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 do it in a particular order that's not related necessarily to an obsessive thought although it could be <laughs> yeah yeah but but if they do it in a particular order it seems to relieve that that underlying anxiety they're battling with so mm -hmm. if, so say if you're under stress and life's really you know sort of difficult and things are rushing through your head and you think oh, i've got an important meeting or blah 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 and you're really sort of stressed then you sort of try and calm yourself self down by doing these these actions in a certain order or counting or tapping or lining up objects. So actions like that don't necessarily have to be related to a specific thought. Mm. So it is very complex. Okay. It, it can be, but it doesn't necessarily have to be. Okay, so I, I guess a, a lot of us have the sensation that, you know, our lives are 
sort of a- out of control. And you know, there are so many yeah. as- there are so many aspects of our lives which are not within our control. And you just you know you wait for the for the next disaster to come around the corner. But in the meantime, <laughs> there, there are things that you can things that you do have control over. You know, there are things that you can do. As I guess all of us feel like that a, a little bit sometimes. You know, you know my life may be chaos, but I'm going to make an incredible cook an incredible dinner tonight. For, you know, for my family, and I'm going to get a small sense of satisfaction about that, even though I can't control everything else. I mean, is is OCD just uh, I guess an extreme example of that? Well, we can talk about the personality trait factor in a second, but I'm really glad you brought up the topic of control or Mm. the word control, because basically that is really a massive underlier to this disease. Um, Yes, you are exactly right. You summarized it exactly right. When you feel that things are out of control, there are things that that you can control that you do to calm yourself down. Um, But it's obviously when the desire to control is controlling you, (laughs) then Mm. there's obviously a problem. And and it's actually this desire to control that then makes people very very hesitant to go on medication. So this is a real problem that doctors come up against um, that they were talking to me about. So someone comes in really battling with OCD and they're feeling that their their controlling actions are the only thing that's helping them, even if it's hampering their life. Say, for instance, you know, they can control, going back to the teeth brushing example, they can control the direction and the order with which they brush their teeth, but this might take them so long and they may have to repeat this over and over again. So it's impeding other aspects of their life. You know, yeah. it might mean that they're late for work or it might mean that, that they can't function as well as they should or, or could be. Mm. And, so, and, and, and that's, but, actually, that's actually the threshold, isn't it, where they actually say, look, this is just not a personality trait. This is actually a disorder. When it starts to interfere with your relationships, interfere with your employment, you know, inter- interfere with your everyday functioning, that is uh, a key line that, that has been crossed from, you know, someone who's just, you know, very particular and someone who actually ha- has a disorder. Is, is that your understanding? I, I just seem to have heard yes, sim- similar ab- language w- with other uh, mental health um, disorders. Absolutely. When it, when it crosses that line where it's really impeding your quality of life, that's exactly right. Yep. Mm. And it's this desire to control that people struggling are reluctant to give up. And so it makes them really hesitant to go on medication. So um, they think that once they're on medication, they won't be able to control things as much. So that can be a real impediment to getting people with OCD onto the medication that could really help them. So, mm. um, yeah, I'm really glad you brought up control. Yep. Wow. Wow. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. It, 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 it's it's really interesting, Subi, and and sometimes it's a little bit amusing, really, that um, when, whenever you, um, what, I don't mean you in particular, but in, in, any of us comes across this list of, of symptoms of a particular you know disorder, whether it's a physical <laughs> or, or mental or whatever, we we go down this checklist, and we uh, as we get further and further down the list, we get more and more worried because we're going, well, yes, that's me, that's me, that's me, um, that's me. Oh, oh, I just diagnosed myself. Um, <laughs> <laughs> is, and and and, and I understand that that with this particular in writing this particular article, you you had a similar experience. Absolutely, I started to look at my own personal eccentric um, habits and uh, yeah, and routines, and yeah, I thought exactly that's exactly right. But there are actually clear differences between OCD as the disease and OCD with the personality trait. Mm. And um, the article does go into it, but I can I'm going to summarise a few of them now. What I really like about this, Suvi, is that you um, <laughs> you actually use this opportunity as a journalist to go and speak to a, what was it a psychologist or or a psychiatrist um, free 
free and <laughs> so, so, yeah, that, so, so, so that great, you could tell them yeah, uh, <laughs> about your little foibles and, and your symptoms and, and see if they could diagnose you or not. So, yeah, what, what, what happened there and, and what was the result? It was fantastic. I actually joked to him. I said, oh, good, I can get a free um, free session with you. Um, well, yeah, look, I was honest. I mean, like, so, look, I notice this too if I'm, if I'm particularly under stress. I do. Like, um, you know, I, I'll check that the fridge door is closed and this arose from actually um, my parents told me, it was really funny, that they went out um, for the day and they left the fridge door open by accident. Yeah. And so everything, everything sort of flooded, everything um, defrosted and all that. So ever since I heard that story, I triple checked that the fridge door is closed. Like I'm always like, okay, the fridge door is closed. I arrange my clothes by, by colour, often like darks, whites, you know, that sort of stuff. Wow. Um, yes. I thought, wow, like maybe, um, maybe this means I've got OCD as well. And like there isn't a writer on the planet, I'm sure, that doesn't have a few ticks really. <laughs> so well, so uh, I, uh, I started apostrophes. talking to them about... <laughs> apostrophe, CV. <laughs> I wish I could fix the world's apostrophes. That is uh, something that, yeah, that I wish I could get just perfect. And, and I'm a bit particular about that, but it comes with being an editor, I guess. It's it's a strength in, in my job, but it often wasn't appreciated before that, I can tell you. <laughs> oh, look, I know, exactly. So, so no, I did I did tell him about these things. And I said, oh, well, you know, um, is that OCD? And he said, no. Um, he was really clear about that, that there are really genuine differences. And, and it's very interesting that the people with OCD are the ones that usually have insight that their thoughts and behaviours are unreasonable. Mm. So they're the ones that know that what they're doing is unreasonable. They're distressed by their actions, obviously, yeah. um, and they waste time with these obsessions and compulsions. Whereas those with obsessive-compulsive personality traits actually are the ones that believe their way is the right way to do things. So, right. so they could be the ones in the workforce saying, no, this is the way we do it. This is the way we do it. No, they don't want to listen to someone else's opinion. Right. They're usually comforted by adhering to their own rules and routines, yep. which is what I find. Like if I'm under stress and I'm going out and I think, oh, you know, is the fridge door closed and I'll close it and I'll feel a little bit better when I've closed it. So, so that's true. When you do things um, adhering to your own rules and routines, you do feel a little bit calmer afterwards. People with OCD um, personality traits are often quite time efficient. So, right. so there, okay. there are differences. Okay, so, so I, I get this now. So there, there are people with genuine OCD and then there are control freaks. Exact, that's exactly right, control freak. So the control freak, if they're under stress, will check the... I'm basic, no, I'm, I'm trying not to be a control freak, but basically we'll check the fridge a couple of times. Yep, it's closed. I feel better now. I know it's closed. Okay, let's rush on with my day. Whereas a person with OCD as a disease will want to check the fridge, will check the fridge over and over again, but then they, they may not be able to stop doing that and they just keep doing it and they realise as they're doing it that that's unreasonable. Mm-hmm. Whereas if I triple check that the fridge is closed, I don't think that's really unreasonable. I'll just triple check it. Yep, okay, that's fine. I feel better. I can rush off. Whereas if an OCD person even triple checks it, they might think, oh, I've checked it once, but I'm checking it again. Now I'm checking it for a third time. This is unreasonable. Yeah, so yeah. They've actually got more insight. Yeah. <laughs> this is the thing that strikes me about about mental health issues that people have that so often, you know, someone who is so-called normal can relate to those and say, yeah, I, I know completely what you're talking about. I mean, you know, I, I have a wife who has very, very vivid dreams, for example. Um, and, you know, t- to the point where I can do something... In, in a dream and she'll be mad about it. Well, she'll be <laughs> mad with me 
for, for the whole day for something that I did in a dream. So it's, so for me, this, this yeah, I, I know that there are some mental health I- issues that involve not being able to separate reality and, and fantasy. And, and to me, a very vivid dreaming and being emotionally affected by it starts to move in that direction. I mean, I, I, I myself would probably be on more of a spectrum towards depression, you know, where, yeah, I just can't be bothered, don't have the energy, you know, irritable, everything overwhelming it's you know that and that would probably be yeah. the, the direction I would go if if perhaps I was under extra stress if perhaps a few variables were different and and the way you're describing yourself it seems like well you know if if you were in danger of going in any particular direction um, to, to something yeah. diagnosable it, it may be OCD I, I don't know if I, yeah. I, I tend to see you know mental health as a spectrum rather than you know you're normal and you're crazy I, I just think that that's unhelpful I mean surely we we should see it as a spectrum and a sort of a, a gradation of experience where sometimes it can be a bit hazy where, where the line is but like you know as we've been saying when it starts to interfere with your life then then perhaps that's when we say well no th- this is too much that's really really well said I 100% agree with you that mental health really is a spectrum and in fact it's very interesting too especially with OCD that um, when I when I spoke to one of the psychiatrists, one of the, one of the most important things to do if you're struggling is to get a correct diagnosis. Like yeah. I, I can't stress this enough. If you're struggling, if you think that you, you've got, or if you're worried you've got OCD or you're really struggling, I would ask to go and see a psychiatrist, to be honest. They're, mm. they're really the best ones to be able to diagnose you. And it's, it's just really interesting because if you've had a traumatic brain injury or you've had encephalitis mm. or um, ep- certain types of epilepsy or, and this is a really interesting one, stroke, oh. you could have features that, that mimic OCD or symptoms that, that mimic features of OCD. Oh, and okay. um, the psychiatrist actually pointed out that we could have whole populations of elderly people out there presenting with OCD symptoms who have had a mild undetected stroke or mm-hmm. what he calls a cerebral vascular accident that that goes because there's so many millions of tiny little blood vessels all through our body and you know especially in the brain and so if there's a there's a tiny blockage in one of these tiny blood vessels it, it may be undetected it, it may not cause you know your whole left side of your body to collapse or anything like that so yeah. you don't even know you've had it but that tiny little disturbance can then start causing OCD symptoms um, to come out in you. And it's very complex. And, and he was really stressing that, that if you're struggling, the first thing to do is get a proper diagnosis. Wow. Um, you know, you need to exclude organic diseases, go to someone who can really, really diagnose you. That's really important. Yeah, well, I mean, that, that, that totally makes sense. So, so obviously, OCD isn't caused by, you know, a mini stroke, as you say, like genuine OCD. Do we have any idea? idea of what actually like causes it or, or what increases the risk oh. factors for, for a genuine diagnosis of obsessive compulsive disorder? Yeah, unfortunately, it's the cause of OCD is still officially unknown and, mm. um, and experts are saying that it's likely multifactorial. So yep. um, they're saying that there's, there's likely a genetic aspect to it. Mm-hmm. There's an environmental aspect to it and a, neuro- and, and a neurological aspect to it. Um, they think that, you know, all these factors can play a role. Um, and some theories suggest that compulsive behaviours are learned too. Um, okay. So, yeah, it's unfortunately one of those things. It's, it's like Parkinson's. There, there's no one sort of 
you know, no no one person can say this is exactly what causes OCD. It's, yeah, yeah. It's like multifactorial and 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 a mystery, like so many, unfortunately, of our yeah. diseases still are. Oh, look, I, I I just wondered. Well, look, I, I cannot believe that we're fast running out of time, Sylvie, but but we are. Just as we finish in the last couple of minutes, can you tell us about treatments? I mean, you, you're saying we don't really know the cause, but are there effective treatments out there for for OCD? You know, is is there hope for someone who's struggling with this? Look, there sure are. I mean, that, that's the message I really want people to take from this, that there really is help. Like, there honestly is help. One of the doctors particularly I spoke to, he said, look, just if people who are hesitant about medication, please, I'm here to tell you that it can help so much if you start taking medication. It often then tempers your thought processes. So if you're struggling with a lot of anxiety and having those difficulties and you think, no, I want to try um, behavioural cognitive therapy first. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want to take medication. Medication. The behavioural cognitive therapy can take years and, and may not work and could be so difficult because you're working against your brain all the time. Mm-hmm. But the medication, once you, get, once you get on medication, it'll just temper what's going on in your brain. Um, it'll calm things down. And then you'll actually notice that your behaviour in a lot of cases, and this is, this is straight from a doctor who's been doing psychotherapy and medication treatment for like 40 years. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, once you're on medication you'll really notice that your behaviour will start to ease up. Um, you, won't, you won't have the same need to, to sort of keep doing these compulsive behaviours. Yeah. It will really help. And then if you do cognitive behavioural therapy while you're on medication, it's going to have a lot more effect. Psychotherapy and counselling, that, that's also really important. A lot of doctors are saying that that's absolutely essential to, to have a support network, to have someone that you go to. Timothy Hillier has... Um, a reasonably severe, I would say, case of OCD. Like he's probably yeah. quite far yeah. on the spectrum towards the sphere end. He has to manage on medication and with regular visits to his psychiatrist. Wow. But he wow. is managing. Like like he's he's holding down a, a good job. He's a sane ambassador. Actually, he takes workshops out in the corporate world to try and teach employers or raise awareness for um, employees struggling with OCD. So yeah. um, there really there really is help. Get a proper diagnosis. Be very open to medication if that's what's recommended for you. Obviously, if your doctor doesn't recommend medication, then that then that's fine. Yeah, you, you don't. Um, everybody's that. different. Sure. But 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 if if a doctor recommends that you go on medication. I, I really would strongly suggest that someone really, really does take mm. take them up on that it's because worth, the difference yeah. can be be remarkable. Yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, it's worth considering. And, also, and and I understand that. Um, I mean, along with those therapies, um, some lifestyle changes can often be you know quite effective. Just in terms of you know getting some regular exercise, um, you know, eating well, getting enough sleep, you know, getting some fresh air, and and that and that sort of thing can actually really help to sort of give it a good foundation for for recovery and and, and for improvement. Improvements. Is that your understanding? Um, look, I have to be honest. As a disease, that didn't come up at all. Um, whether it's going to help or not. So what I'm trying to say is, if you've got OCD as a disease mm. and you exercise and eat well, or you don't exercise and eat well, that didn't seem to come up as a factor of having any effect on the disease as oh, as okay. such. 
Oh, that's uh, that's yeah, but, that's re- that's really interesting because I know with depression and anxiety, um, oh, it, it, it's, it, yeah. it certainly yeah, can, well, can, can be really yeah, helpful. Yeah. And OCD seems to me, I mean, I'm, look, I'm not a psychiatrist, but it seems to me like a, almost a, a variant of, of anxiety in a way. It's a, a way to soothe, you know, a- anxious thoughts in some way. So I, I guess I just assumed that there may be a, a lifestyle aspect to it. And look, it certainly couldn't do anyone look, any, there, there any, may, any harm. <laughs> oh, look, it wouldn't do anyone any harm whatsoever. And look, they're, they're very well may be, Kent, honestly. they very well may be. I mean, if someone Googles it right now, they'll probably find heaps of sites saying that, yes, it, it, it can definitely help. I'm just saying that when I spoke to the psychiatrists and the doctors and all that, it didn't really come up as a factor. Like when I said, well, what can people do? That that wasn't sort of something that immediately came out as, well, do this and it, it will help. It sure, was more sure. the, the sort of scientific things, medication, um, counselling. Yeah. However, having said that, I'm sure no one would argue that that having a good diet, getting exercise, um, having good social networks, getting out and about, Mm -hmm. all of the things that make us as healthy as possible, I'm sure it would just massively help you be as healthy and strong as possible. Um, So, yeah, look, I'm sure you're right there. Like you said, you know, Google it, check it out. Um, It it may well well be part of of a solution, and and if not, it probably won't do you any harm. Hey, thanks so much, Suvi. I wouldn't do you any harm. (laughs) Hey, thanks, Suvi. I really appreciate the time you've spent with us today on Signs of the Times Radio. Oh, thank you, Kent. Seriously, thank you so much. It was really good to chat to you. Today's episode was based on an article appearing in this month's Science of the Times magazine. A subscription is just $26 for 11 issues a year. To find out more, visit signsofthetimes.org.au. Signs of the Times has been published in Australia since 1886 and is proudly produced by Adventist Media. This is an Adventist Media podcast.